welcome to episode 9 of Biased Opinion. I'm PJ Hennessy, here along with Seamus Kelly. On the podcast today, we will preview the NBA draft, which is Thursday night. We will also take a look at the College World Series. But first, let's get into the NHL draft, which is Friday night in Vancouver. To help us preview the NHL draft, we have a special guest joining the podcast today, which is Colin Ridge. Before we get to Colin and Seamus, I have an opening remark to make to get the NHL draft conversation started. Much of the conversation about the NHL draft is who will go first in the draft. New Jersey Devils have the first pick. The New York Rangers have the second pick. As of now, American center Jack Hughes is widely considered to be the first pick in the draft. However, Finnish superstar right winger Kapo Kako is also in consideration for the first pick. In fact, if I were the New Jersey Devils, I would take Kapo Kako with the first pick over Hughes, and here's why. On the ice, Kapo is a complete player. He's so smooth with the puck. He's a great stick handler. He has a great shot. His hockey IQ is off the charts. He has great vision. He's very crafty. He's great in small spaces. He makes great decisions with the puck. He's just a complete player. He, on the power play, on the right side of the power play with his left-handed shot, he's just deadly. With all this being said, Capo is not afraid to get the dirty areas. He's not afraid to play physical. He's not just reliant on his skill. At 190 pounds, he was able to hold his own physically in the Finnish league, which is he's playing against grown men and he's holding his own. Also, Capo is a born winner. He's the youngest player in hockey history to win gold in all three International World Championship tournaments, which includes the World U18 Championships, World Junior Championships, and the World Championships. In fact, he scored the game-winning goal for Team Finland in the 2019 World Junior Ice Hockey Championships gold medal game. Right now, in my opinion, he's a more complete player than Hughes. He's more NHL-ready than Hughes, and New Jersey would be crazy to pass on him at number one. If New Jersey passes on him, the Rangers will be getting a Finnish superstar, We'll be ready to light up the Big Apple. With that being said, I'll throw it over to Seamus and our guest Colin to discuss the number one pick and the rest of the draft. Boys, take it away. Uh, I'm here with Colin Ridge talking about the NHL draft. Uh, it's on Friday. So uh, let's get right into it. So Colin, biggest uh, biggest debate right now in the NHL draft is who's going to go number one, Jack Hughes. Uh, playing for the national development team for the U.S. or uh, Finnish winger Kapo Kako. Uh, uh, give me your take on this debate for who's going one or two. And uh, yeah, who do you like better? Uh, yeah, first, but just great to be here. And second, I just like to say, I think Jack Hughes is 100% going first overall. Yeah, I'm gonna have to agree with you there. I think he's. It seems like he's a lock to go number one, but I mean. Well, now, I do think Capo Kako is the better player, but Jack Hughes is the better prospect. He has a higher ceiling, and, like, he's a center, too. And, I don't know, I feel like Devils will get criticized if they take Kako and pass up on Hughes, and Hughes turns out better. They'll get more criticized towards that instead of taking Hughes and then skipping out on Kako if Kako does better. Yeah, I mean, I I think the Devils are definitely in the tougher spot. I know what you're saying. Hughes definitely has the higher ceiling. Seems like Kako has the higher floor. He's more ready to go right now, whereas Hughes is kind of small. He needs to needs to bulk up a little bit. But um, I yeah, think Hughes definitely. He'll take a little bit. But Hughes has been the, like, number one pick overall until, like, these last couple months. So, like, I feel like in that span, is it? 
long enough to pick Kako and everybody's going to be like, all right, that's like, like, I agree with you, but I think that Hughes is the better pick and the safer pick if I was. Yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah, the Devil, the Rangers, I think, are in a better spot than Devils because the Rangers, you know, they're, they have less chance of getting criticized if the guy they take doesn't turn out to be as good as the, whoever goes first overall, obviously, because they're the second pick. Yeah, it's a two, two-man draft. Two-man draft. All right. Uh, yeah, no, I agree with your take there. I think Hughes is probably going to go number one, and I think I'd take Hughes one, too. And he's American. Got to love the USA, guys. USA hockey definitely on the rise. Um, all right, now moving on. We're Bruins fans on this podcast, obviously. Talked about it in the past. Um, Bruins have picked number 30 in the first round. Any people that catch your eye that the Bruins could take late in the first round here? Uh, yeah, I got a couple. First, I'd just like to say Alex Vlasic, he's a 6'6 defenseman. Even though I think the Bruins should draft forwards because I think our defense is deeper than our forwards, I just think there's this defenseman, Alex Vlasic, who's 6'6. He's going to Boston University. He could be kind of like, I wouldn't say like the next Chara, but he's he's a big body and we need one big of those. Big body. Can play the penalty kill? He can skate. Yeah, I like that. I like definitely. If I mean, if you're gonna draw the six six defenseman, they got to be able to move in the modern NHL. Um, and yeah, that's pretty rare too. So he's projected to go late first, early second. Lately, he's been going kind of towards the late first area. So if he's still there, I would not be surprised. I like that pick. How many do you think he'll be? Uh, how many you think he'll be NHL ready after one year at B? Or how? I don't know. What's that's your... probably two, two or three. Probably two. Yeah, obviously, I mean, that's most defensemen, so I like that pick. Anyone else you got at the end of the first round there for the Bees? One, this one guy named Bobby Brink. He's supposed to go first round. I mean, he's a really good prospect. He's like a winger. He's shifty, but I'm not the biggest fan of him. But, like, there's some – I've been reading that some mock drafts have him going late first round. He might be there. Bruins will, I think, definitely choose him if he's still on the board. But one guy I kind of like who's projected to go mid-second round is Johnny Beecher heading to Michigan next year. He was on the U.S. developmental team this year, but, like, he was the fourth best center on the team, but all three of the other centers are going to go top ten picks. So I feel like he was overshadowed, and he didn't get as much time as he would have liked. Like, I thought – I think he can definitely – you could tra- maybe trade down like a cu- like maybe ten picks to get him, and it'd be a win-win scenario. Maybe we'll gain even an extra draft pick. So I think we should draft him because I think we should draft him. I like that. I like that. You never know who they're gonna draft forward. Yeah. yeah, I mean, at the in the NHL, you're better honestly better off taking the best player available rather than going for a weakness on your team. In my opinion, only because it takes a couple of years for guys to get to the league and things change so quickly in the NHL that. You can't really draft for strengths and weaknesses unless you're drafting top two or three, honestly. Yeah, and I don't think draft a guy 30 spots ahead of where they're projected like we did in 2015. Because that didn't work out. We should have just taken the best player available. Exactly, yeah. you got to take the best player available, in my opinion, in the NHL draft. And I like your your trade down uh, proposal because the Bruins obviously don't have a second-round pick in this year's draft. Traded that for Johansson, I believe. But it stinks because, like, you never know who everybody else is going to draft. 
Yeah, the, yeah, and that's, that's the other thing about the NHL draft. It's not like the NBA draft where you kind of have a general idea of where everyone's going. A lot of, a lot of just out in the blue picks, you know, like picks from left field, like the Bruins when they took Senesh in 2015. There's a lot, of, and then random guys will fall for height reasons or weight or uh, yep. random holes in their game that scouts will find and they'll just drop way down in the draft. So you never know with the NHL draft. Um, yeah, now moving on. Any, uh, we talked about the top two picks, but is there anyone else in the top ten that catches your eye that you think could be future star in the NHL? And, uh, yeah, who do you like in the top ten, ten, fifteen picks? Oh, there's a couple guys, I think. You know, this guy, Alex Turcotte, he's going to Wisconsin. He's supposed to be, like, the next Jonathan Taze. Great defensively, great offensively. Like, I mean, I think he'll be a really good pro. I think he's probably one of the best polished players in this draft, but he's not the biggest. Like, he's not flashy like Hughes and Kako. So, like, I don't think he's gotten really that number one overall look. And he's also been out most of the year, so – it obviously kind of dropped him a little bit. Yeah, but I mean, two-way centers, obviously one of the most valuable type of players to have in the NHL. Uh, guys like Bergeron, O'Reilly, Taze, those are the guys that win cups, Kopitar. So I like that pick. I yeah. But in my opinion, I'm going to – I think Trevor Zegers will be the best player coming out of this draft. I like it. Hot takes. He's projected to go either – Buried from third to tenth, but he's the best playmaker in the draft. He makes everybody better on his line. I think he's going to be the best player. And he's he's on the national development team too, right? Yeah, he kind of he's going to Boston University. Kind of reminds me of like a little Pedersen who just won the Calder. So, I mean, I'm just seeing great pro right there. I like that Pedersen kind of went in the same range of the draft too. So, yeah, fifth overall. Definitely went there. I like that. Uh, yeah, Zegris. Yeah, he, um, go to see him play a little bit. Good, really good hands. Obviously, he's flashy. But uh, the only thing scouts don't like about him is he makes little risky plays. But you know, you gotta take some risks. Gotta and, take risks to put up points. You, you and I guess he's he gets some penalties after whistles. But like, no I mean, team like that when he he's standing up for you. So I feel like you can manage those two. And they'll become probably one of the best players because he's a great skater, great passer, he's poised, and then he has a pretty good shot. So, and he was putting up points on the national development team before he was playing with Hughes too, right? And yeah, he's winger and center. He played center. Yeah, he's versatile. So, I like that. I like that pick. Zegers I mean, is looking like a very, very good, very good prospect. And he's, he's American, so six feet. And he's like it's like a buck seventy-five, so he can definitely put on a little more muscle. And I think he's going to be the best pro in this draft. And we'll see. Um, anyone else in the top ten that catches your eye? I mean, a couple. Of... Kirby Doc and uh, uh, Dylan Cousins. They're these just big two centers from the WHL. I'm not really buying their hype. but Really? They're like couple just of boss. 6'3". Big bodies that are really kind of sound like Nolan Patcher. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't really, I haven't really like seen how good they are, but like, I yeah, what I've watched hasn't been really too spectacular. Um, and quick question: any uh, any goalies in this draft that are, uh, I don't know, any future franchise goalies in this draft that you're seeing? 
Uh, Spencer Knight, he could he's going to Boston College. He could be he's going to be a top fifteen pick. He could I think he's going to be the next best American goalie. Probably I think the best goalie in the National Hockey League at one really? point. Really? Yep. Future Vesna winner. I like that bold prediction. Spencer Knight. I mean, remember got, the name. He got all the. He's big. I mean, he just knows how to play goalie. <laughs> like he stops. Yeah. I like that. Goalie's hard. You never know with goalie. I mean, have, he, he's only going to do one and done at PC, in my opinion. One and done goalie. That is. Nobody that doesn't does. happen too often. That would be. That would be something. I would. So this kid's legit. Wow. Yeah. He's good. tonight. All right. Um. Now let's move on. Uh, I want to hear. Do you have any sleepers? And you got any? Bust predictions in this draft. Any guys, any maybe second or third mid-round pick guys or maybe end of the first round guys that you think will significantly outperform where they're going to get drafted? And then do you have any guys that are getting picked early that you don't think are going to live up to the hype? Well, yeah, I got a couple uh, couple sleepers. You know. There's, I've been reading about this defenseman who's 5'7". He's, he's one of the best skaters in this draft named Dominic Fensori. He's one of Boston University, but he's one of the best – He's a defenseman. He's only 5'7", which is his flaw. That's why people kind of overlook him. But he, he plays pretty solid defense. And he's only, as I said, like three times, he's only 5'7". And he's he's going to get stronger, but he's one of the best skaters in this draft. He's quarterback power play. Like, I hate to say he's like a Tory crew, but, like, I mean, he can kind of, like, fit that role on a team. Yeah, no, that's definitely – I mean, offensive defensemen are – uh, everyone needs an offensive defenseman right now in the NHL. It seems like they're the ones getting a lot of money. You saw Carlson's contract. Um, yeah, Look, I like that. I just definitely think when he puts more muscle on, he's definitely going to be, I think, NHL ready after three years of college. And he's going to go up and he's going to be one of the best defense. And, I mean, not one of the best, but he's going to be a good NHL player. Even yeah, and- though he get drafted from maybe like. His draft stock is from round two to round five. It, like nobody knows where he's gonna get taken because once he's like a he has a high ceiling but a low floor. Yeah, and I mean, like you said, like his uh, the biggest concern about him is his size. But I think especially now in 2019, the, the size yeah. thing you can't really. So many guys have been falling in the draft because of being short, and so many of them have outperformed uh, their draft position and gone like I mean. To bring kids, obviously, completely different uh, position and player, but you look at like just, he's an example. And Tory Crew went undrafted; he's only five nine. Like, plenty of guys have outperformed where they've been taken, or if they've been ta- not been taken at all, because they've been overlooked because of their height. And yeah, yeah. I'm going to talk about that in a little bit too. But yeah, especially because the game is becoming faster. So like, yeah, I mean, the Blues obviously they won the Cup playing physical, but the majority of the league. It's more about speed now. You need you need speed to win. It seems like most of the star players in today's league are, uh, I mean they they're all fast. Speed kills. So yeah. Any other sleepers you got? Um, I got another one. Like, I feel like Robert Master Simone's heading to BU as well. I mean, like he's just an overall great forward. Does everything right. I feel like he's just overlooked because Heidi's only five nine, but we'll see how he turns out. He's gonna go either late second, early third, but I think. I mean, it's not really like a steal, but I think he could definitely go a little, maybe a high second. 
not first, but he can move up at least 20 picks. But we'll see because, I don't know, anything can happen on draft day. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Uh, any any busts? Any busts in this year's draft that you're predicting? Uh, yeah, I got a couple busts. Um, I, Ves, Vasily Podkolzin, he's a Russian. That's, like, the main thing, like – he and it's not like he plays in the KHL either, and he's not like he plays in like the lower KHL div- divisions and everything. And I mean, like he's like a wild card because he's gonna play two years. Or, he's gonna play two years in the KHL before coming over. And he played for the World Juniors team in Russia, put up three assists, and he didn't do so hot in the U18 Worlds because he only put up four points in seven games, but. He was once projected to go third overall upon Hughes and Kako. Kind of dropped because they don't – like, he, he's not performing as well as he should. And he either dominates the play or he's just kind of not noticeable at all out there. And, yeah. And, my bad. Keep going. Keep going. Yeah, just nobody really – like, it's not like he's playing in the CHL where all the scouts are over there. He's playing in Russia where it's kind of like you can't really judge the competition towards other – drafted prospects already yeah and i saw the no russians have been taken in the top five since uh ovi and malkin so i mean nhl teams are definitely wary of drafting russians early um and i mean this guy's been moved around three times i think well yakupov was a russian and he stunk so yeah and he was he was a complete bust um this guy i think he's moved around three times the last year or two um and he he can't come over for at least two more seasons because he's under contract in the KHL. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can I can I like I don't like it. I don't want anyone to be a bust, but I can see where you're coming from with that bus pick. Uh, yeah, everybody has him as a wild card because he's just nobody knows anything about this guy. Yeah. Uh, any other bus picks? Uh, I have one more. Jackson Lacombe. He goes to Shattuck St. Mary's in Minnesota. But like, I mean, like it's it's midget prep. Like, like he did good over there, but like he's he's projected to go in the second round. But like he's played with like players like four years ago that like are all going in like like third or fourth or fifth that they did way better than him, and like they went to like the USHL and the developmental program, and they're gonna go. So they were basically chosen like better than him, and he but he stayed at midget prep, and like they leagues, but they're projected to go lower than him. He played against younger kids the whole season, and like he's put up points this year, but I'm just like not really buying it because he hasn't. He's just played midget prep the whole year when you're not playing against men like in the USHL, like yeah. He's, O'Brien last year. He just played it there the whole year. And he's 19th overall pick, and now he's going to the BCHL because he didn't really have a great year at Providence, but a five points in 25 games. Yeah, I know. It's definitely risky taking a guy that hasn't played at a higher yeah. level than midget prep. All the mock drafts of this guy, Lacombe, going so high. It's like, I don't think he's going to, I don't think he's going to be in the NHL at all. So, but we'll see what happens. What about all you? Right. Do you have any? Buster uh, sleepers. Um, I don't know if I'd say I have a bus pick, but um, a guy that I think I'd be a little bit scared taking is Cole Caulfield. 
Uh, just looking at a mock draft, I saw him going fourth overall in a mock draft. He's five seven winger on the national development team for the U.S. Ridiculous production. He had 72 goals in 64 games with the U18 team. Um, but he played – good to put it in perspective, he played with Hughes, I'm pretty sure, for almost all those games. Um, his shot is really good, but I know I talked about you can't judge just based off – like size, but like, and the kid can definitely score. But taking a guy who's five seven fourth overall is a little bit risky, uh, especially when he's been playing with arguably the best player in the draft, one of the best American prospects of all time. Seems like a lot of his goals are handed to him on a silver platter. Yeah, a lot of them are one timers off amazing passes from Hughes or Zegers or any of the other stars on that team. Um, and they're playing against teams that they're way more talented than. Um, a lot of the times too, so it's definitely. I think I don't know if I can. I'm not because I, I think there's he has a good chance of becoming a very good player in the NHL. I don't know for sure. I haven't watched him enough to make a tr- true judgment on, him, but I'd be a little bit weary yeah, of taking him too early because, especially like I don't know, just playing with Hughes, I think can play his stats kind of like playing at on a higher level as if you play with a guy like Crosby or McDavid. If you play with the best center in the league, a playmaking center like that, uh, a guy that completely takes over games, then your stats are obviously going to be inflated. So I'd be a little bit worried about taking him early. Yeah, I agree with you there. I think he still deserves to go, like, at, like, 7 through 12. I think he'll definitely go in between there. I don't think he should go higher. Yeah. But we'll see what happens because, you know, like you said, Colorado maybe might be looking for a player like that instead of a player like Cousins or Crip. Doc or Krebs. Yeah, I, I, he's definitely talented and he has the production to back it up, but you got to take into account how he got that, uh, how he put up those goals. Uh, I don't know. I'd be a little bit nervous taking him, but he's obviously a talented player, so I'm not going to call him a boss, but I think he might be going a little too early. And then I just wanted to quickly talk about two sleepers I have. A little bit biased here. Uh, they're both offensive defensemen. One currently goes to UMass, one is committed to UMass. First, I'm going to talk about Mark Delgazzo. He was Kale McCarr's defensive partner last year. Uh, scored the game-winning goal in overtime against Denver in the Frozen Four. Um, this kid, he won. I believe he won Rookie of the Year. As a, or he might have led all defensemen in points as a rookie in the USHL two years ago. And then last year at UMass, he was playing a ton of minutes on our top pairing with Kale. What you can, you, some people could use that as a negative and say, oh, his success was because he was playing with the best player in college hockey. But Delgazzo put up a lot of points. Produced on the power play. Uh, he's a really good shot for a defenseman. He's only 5'10", and that's why he didn't get drafted out of the USHL, a lot of people say. But um, he was strong two-way defenseman this year for UMass. And he gets a lot of Tory Crew comparisons. I know we already used that comparison earlier, but uh, he's a good playmaker. He's a really good wrist shot, Gets uh, generates a lot of rebounds. Uh, if you get traffic out in front and you get the guys that are shooting from the point, there's a good chance to get on the puck in the back when they're on the power play or and even at even strength. And uh, he moves well. I think Delgado is a really good player. And he's probably going like fifth round, sixth round, somewhere like that, between well, four yeah, and six. And I don't know. I hope the Bruins have him because I think, I think he's being slept on, mostly because he's 20 years old already, I believe. Um, but he's produced at every level he's played at. And he's played really well as a rookie in the USHL and as a freshman at UMass. So. We'll see if he can take the next step this year at UMass now that he's taken the reins as McCarr and Ferraro are gone. But, yeah, we'll see. I think he's a really good player, and I think he's being slept on heavily he's in this draft. 
And uh, my next pick for a sleeper is Zach Jones. He's a offensive defenseman for the Tri-City Storm in the USHL. Um, most people have him going in the second or third round. Uh, occasionally, some a mock draft will have him at the very end of the first round, but I don't think he'll go that early. But this kid, as a rookie in the USHL, had the fourth most assist in the league, most of any defenseman. Um, he I watched a ton of game tape, uh, Zach Jones. He moves really well, especially in the offensive zone. He's he's not the he's he doesn't have like game changing speed, but he's pretty agile on his skate. Like, he moves he moves really well in the offensive zone. He uh, move really well on the perimeter. He's quick. He can change direction really quickly. And his skating, uh, the thing about him, even though he's a fast skater, he can slow it down a lot, which he can control the pace of play, which I think is really important in the uh, on the power play in the offensive zone. can slow it down, create a lot of offensive chances. Um, obviously, he had a ton of assists. He's a good passer, especially on the power play. And finds guys right in front of the net. Tape, tape a lot. His shot kind of needs work. Um, he didn't score that many goals. Didn't really take that many shots. He was kind of conservative there. Usually let his D partner take shots. And that guy, he won MVP of the USHL after being pretty much a no-name his first two years in the league. So I think you can use that as a positive for Zach Jones because he clearly elevates the play of his teammates. Um, and he also, even though he, he's a small, he's relatively small for defenseman. He's 5'9", I believe, right now. Um, but if you watch him play, he he shuts down rushes a lot. And he's a very physical player, actually, for especially for his size. Um, he's really good along the boards and in the corners, wins a lot of puck battles. So I think Zach Jones is a really good player. I think he has a lot of potential. And I think he'll have a big role in UMass next year, and I think it's a great system for him to grow as a player under Greg Carble, um, who has shown that, obviously, he can develop young offensive defensemen and make them very good players. So, yeah, I like Zach Jones in this draft. All right. I have one question. Going back to Delgazo, he's an overager, right? Yeah. So do you think maybe, like, scouts are scared to take him because maybe, like, they kind of see, like, like, I wouldn't say his peak, but, like, they seem like they don't think he has, like, as high of a ceiling as other prospects because he's older. He's already played with older guys. Like, like, I think he definitely has played better than prospects that are going to be drafted now. But do you think maybe – like, they think the other prospects can do better than what he's done. Yeah, I know what you're saying there. Like, he definitely um, – I mean, he's two years past his draft year right now, I believe. So, he definitely he definitely doesn't have as high of a ceiling as a lot of these 17-year-old guys who are going to get drafted who shown a lot of potential and can put on more weight. Um, but at the same time, I think that's kind of overstated a lot, especially in the NHL draft. Like – at the same time, he's still only 20 years old. He still has plenty of room to grow. Um, he's – I don't know. But, yeah, I can definitely – that's probably a lot of the reason why he's not being thought of as a higher pick. Um, so I'd say it's a combination of his size, concerns that he was only good because he was playing with Makar, and the fact that he's already 20. But, yeah, I think – Someone's going to think. Yeah, someone's going to take a chance on him, and I think it's going to pay off. And I hope it's the Bruins. I hope the Bruins get him, but we'll see. You never know. All right. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, that wraps up the NHL draft preview with me and Colin. Um, Now we're going to move on to uh, the NBA draft preview with me and PJ. Thanks for coming on, Colin. Hope to have you on again soon to talk college hockey and maybe we'll have a post-draft show.
All right, thanks for having me. I'll see you. All right, thanks to Colin for coming on the show and talking some NHL draft with us. And now moving on to the NBA draft. Uh, it's happening Thursday night. Uh, PJ, how about you get us started here? Yeah, NBA draft talk. everybody keeps saying that it's a, it's a three-person draft, but I don't, I don't really agree with that. You can definitely find talent outside the top three. Just look at Toronto this year. I mean, they won the championship without having a lottery pick player in their team. So, yeah, the top three maybe are better than the rest of the draft, but there's some there's some sleepers out there for sure. I feel like it's a one-guy draft where the media isn't hyping up. I mean, Zion's probably the most hyped prospect I can remember in my entire life. Like, I don't really remember when LeBron was going to draft. I was like five, but, like, this is – I'm in my lifetime, I've never seen a draft prospect uh, this hyped up. Like Zion on the NBA, this is he's getting treated like a superstar already, and I mean you can't really blame him if you watch how good he was in college. But yeah, Pelicans possibly getting uh, generational talent at one in Zion, most high prospect, and as long as I can remember, how are you feeling about Zion on the NBA? Uh, I think Zion's gonna be a, a good player in the NBA. He sh- He's. I think he's going to live up to the hype. He'll have double-digit all-star appearances, I think. Uh, I wonder how long he'll stay in New Orleans for. Uh, they'll have him for like seven years, then he'll leave. But, yeah, Zion, he's a transcendent player. He's a generational talent. And the Pelicans, are. they were lucky to get him. Yeah, no, Pelicans looked out. That's. I mean, if you look at, like, every lottery, obviously every team wants the number one pick, but... I can't remember a number one pick being this valid. Like, nobody's wanted the number one pick this bad since. I don't know. I can't remember. Because, I mean, the last few drafts, it's been, like, Ben Simmons. Yeah. We love Ben Simmons on this podcast. Great player. Great jump shot. Um, But, yeah, like, the last – I feel like the last few drafts, like, the top top couple of picks are all pretty even. Like, it's not that big of a drop-off from one to two. But here, even though I think Morant is going to be – a really good player. I liked him a lot in college. Um, I think Zion, like this, this is the year to have the number one pick. And yeah, New Orleans looked out good year to lose their franchise player, I guess. Yeah. He's also, he's also a good kid focused on basketball. Uh, his shooting can get a little bit better, but he's still, he's yeah. pretty, pretty unstoppable in the paint. Yeah. And I mean, he's definitely, I feel like he's a likable guy. Not gonna, it doesn't seem like he's going to blow the locker room up. Like, no, he's no Kyrie. Uh, in the interviews, in every interview I've seen with him, he seems pretty likable. Um, and all his Duke teammates seem to like him, like R.J. Barrett. Um, so, yeah, was, I think. It, it was respectful that he came back to Duke when everyone said he should just pack his bags for the draft. But he came back, he played in the NCAA tournament, trying to win a national championship with his teammates. I, I like that. Yeah, he has heart. He wants to win. You don't see that too often. So, uh, especially with people, players that are talented. So, yeah, I like Zion a lot. Uh, shooing for the number one pick, no question, no doubt. He's locked in at one. Uh, Grizzlies have the number two pick. Everyone's saying they're going to take John Morant. Just traded their point guard that traded Conley today, actually, um, to Utah. So that seems like it's pretty much locked in, too, John Morant. Um, I think his story is pretty, uh, pretty crazy, too. I mean, he was unranked out of high school. I think he was a sophomore this year. And I don't know how this guy doesn't even get 
recruited at all, and he ends up at Murray State because he's an athletic freak, and he's clearly insanely talented. He can do everything. Watching him, he's got great – he can dribble. He can shoot. He can, he's a great passer. Um, I mean, he put he put his team on his back, and they won a tournament game. Uh, so, I don't know. I think he's a really impressive player. I like him at number two. What do you think? Yeah, he makes he makes his teammates around him a lot better, but, I mean, he's not going to really have great teammates in Memphis. So we'll see how that works out and see how successful it is. I don't, I don't think we'll be okay. watching too much of Memphis Grizzly basketball this year. They're not going to no. be prime time. So th- this is he's he's one for the future. I think he's not going to come in and make an immediate instant impact. I don't. Think. Okay, it kind of sucks that Grizzlies has got the number two picks. I I mean I'm not going to watch the Grizzlies play unless they're in a big time playoff game, and I don't see that happening for a while. So and they still need I, more. They still need more pieces to build around Jock. Yeah, and I'm not a huge college basketball guy, but I watched Jock play like three times and all three times I was ridiculously impressed. I think, I don't know. I just think he's a great player. Kind of sad that he's going to be at a team that I'm never going to watch, but uh, I think he's a great pick at number two. And uh, looking at the mock drafts, uh, most people got the Knicks taking RJ Barrett at three. Um, Bleacher Report said that Knicks are a hundred percent locked into on Barrett like a couple hours ago. Uh, you got any comments on Barrett? Yeah, this is the logical pick, I think, for the Knicks. There's really nobody – they can't – they have to take Barrett. He's – at Duke, he was playing in the spotlight, especially when Zion went down. He was the main guy there. So I don't think he'll be phased by being the main guy in New York because I don't, I don't think they're going to get anybody in free agency. So the team's going to be built around him. He, he does ball hog a little bit. He just kind of jacks up shots a lot. You know, when Zion was out there against Michigan State, he wouldn't give him the ball in the last two minutes. <laughs> but we'll see how he we'll see how he develops. That's he's still, not, I mean, that's he's still not young. A, that's not really a bad thing for the Knicks. Though. I mean, who's he gonna pass to in New York? You know? I guess he's not Nick, gonna be Nick's afraid can, to take shots. Nick, Knicks could use a guy like that that can actually put up points. But uh, yeah, Barrett seems like a solid. He was considered the number one pick. I guess uh, he was ranked higher than Zion. I think out of high school. So I mean, he's clearly talented. He he had a solid season at Duke. Sixteen points per game. Shot forty eight percent from three, which I thought was surprising because I don't know. I saw him break a lot of threes in the tournament, but maybe that was just me. I don't know. But apparently, he's really good three three point shooter at Duke. So you need to be able to shoot threes in the modern NBA. So yeah, Knicks they could use a ball hog, I guess. And then the the projected fourth pick, Darius Garland from Vanderbilt. I can I don't think this guy should be drafted in the top five. You can't just show up at a high school. I guess he didn't even play in college. He played got, five games. He played five games at Vanderbilt. What did he get hurt? What did he hurt? Torres meniscus. Torres meniscus, and all of a sudden. When he was playing, though, he was he played really good. You should look. You got a so we're sixteen gonna... points per game, fifty four percent from field goal percentage. I think or fifty two, forty eight percent from three. He's so a Vandy we're... boy too. I like that. I like guys that go to random schools like that. Yeah, but he, he, he quit on. Would he be able to come back? How bad's the meniscus? Uh, I mean, it's a ligament in your knee or something like that. So, uh, so he's injury. Prone. I don't know. I don't know if they. No, plenty. Russell Westbrook tore his meniscus. I don't think I would not take this guy Jimmy, the fourth Jimmy, overall pick. Jimmy Buckets tore his meniscus. Plenty, a lot of players. It's, I mean, not a lot, but it's not like a. I don't think he. I don't think it makes him injury prone. This guy's gonna be overpicked, and he's not worth the hype. I don't think. Who would you take number four overall? Number four, I have no idea. But I I'll give you a sleeper. I like I like Colby White's game, big point guard from North Carolina. I think he's gonna be he's gonna be a star at the next level. I believe. 
Colby White, six five point guard. Uh, yeah, I like that. He's got it seems like he's got potential. I mean, if you got a, uh, I don't know, big point guards seem to be like a new thing in the NBA. I guess you got guys like Giannis running the point. Everyone loves Ben Simmons, other than us. Um, I don't know. So I like that, Lonzo. And then down in the middle of the first round, Romeo Langford out of Indiana is going to go to some team, and I, whoever takes this guy is. He's he's gonna be a terrible pick. You cannot pick this guy. He was the, like the fourth ranked recruit. He was like the best player not to go to Duke, behind RJ, Cam Reddish, and Zion. Went to Indiana. Team didn't even make the tournament. He was a one and done. He can't shoot. He's good at driving, but he was just kind of standing in the corner half the games and let the other guys on Indiana run around and do the offense. He was he's got no aggression, and I don't. I watch this kid play all the time, and I don't think. I don't think he's ready for the NBA yet. He could have used another uh, year of well, college. Think about Langford was playing through a uh, torn ligament in his thumb, which I guess prevented him from having a from utilizing his jump shot as much as he wanted to. Um, not gonna lie, did not watch too much Indiana basketball this year. Didn't make the tournament. Didn't didn't really care about them at all. But uh, I I watched some some tape on Langford. Uh, his step back is nasty. And step back jumpers, James Harden, uh, winning MVPs with his step back jumper. I mean, I don't know. CBS calls him the biggest sleeper in the draft. So yeah, he's not a sleeper. He's a absolute. He's the biggest boss in the draft. I think one of my sleepers is Rui Hachimura from Gonzaga, Japanese guy. He's a junior. He's just a complete player. Takes time. He took time to develop in college. I think this guy can step right into the into an NBA team and produce. I think. I like that. I wanna. I saw. Uh, mock draft of the Celtics taking him at 14. So I like, I think he's good. 6'8, six, 6'8 eight, six, eight wing, good, good size, puts up points. He produced in college. And I mean, he, he played three years of college. So it's probably NBA ready. You know, he's, he's, he's mature. He's big. He's got the size. I like that pick. And then, uh, um, two more players I think we should get to is, uh, let's start with Bobo. What are your thoughts on Bobo? Uh, Bobo, I actually I really want to talk about Bobo. Bobo, I think is being uh, very slept on this draft. He's seven foot two, shot fifty two percent from three in college, twenty one points per game, ten rebounds a game. This kid, like he's seven two with a seven seven wingspan. I don't even I don't know what position he'd play, but he seems like I don't know. Like I he can do it all. I would. I don't know how this guy's fallen to outside the top twenty in a lot of these mock drafts and people that because he got hurt, but I mean injuries happen, but I don't know. I don't think an injury should push a guy like when's the last time you saw a seven foot two guy that can shoot threes like that? <laughs> I don't know. With that type of talent. And his dad was a lot Manu Bull, that dude dropped, blocked like six shots a game. He was like seven seven. So he's got he's got the NBA in his genes. I I like Bull Bull a lot. I want the Celtics to draft him. And the- I like this kid. And then lastly, uh, Taco Fall. What do you think about Taco Fall and his future in the NBA? Taco Fall, uh, he was my favorite player in college basketball last year. Um, I had UCF actually winning the national championship. They would have won it if the refs didn't rob him against Duke, but I'm not even going to talk about that. Taco Fall, I think – I don't even know if he's going to be a first-round pick. I mean, he's like 22, but and he can't really – wouldn't say that he's like a talented basketball player, but he's like seven seven. So he can dunk at will. He can dunk at will. He can box anyone out. Gets every rebound. 
I mean, he's a he's seven seven. He's a mismatch no matter where he is on the court. He blocks every shot. Um, I mean, the second round in the NBA is basically just a crapshoot. You take a guy, half the guys that are drafted never even. Most of the guys that are drafted in the second round never make it to the NBA. A lot of the guys are from Europe. Nobody's ever heard of him. Nobody's ever seen him play. Whatever. I don't know why nobody would take a chance on Taco Fall even at the end of the first round because you don't often see a guy who's seven foot seven who. I mean, there's occasionally a guy who's that tall, but they can't even move. They can't play basketball. Taco Fall can move a little bit. Um, he's had success in college. You don't see that too often with guys. Like, I mean, I don't know. I like Taco Fall a lot. High character kid. High character player. Or great player. Once again, hope the Celtics draft Taco Fall. Perfect draft for me. Take the kid from Gonzaga at 14. At 20, take uh, Bull Bull. And at 22, take Taco Fall. That's my that's my Celtics draft wish list. That's how you rebuild the team. That would that would give us some size up front. You need size. Everyone else is going small ball. You got to zig when everyone zags. I like that. I like uh, <laughs> I like Taco Fall in this draft. Big sleeper. Couldn't have said it better myself. And moving on from the NBA draft to the College World Series, uh, right now in Omaha we have six teams still alive as. Arkansas and Auburn were eliminated. In one side of the bracket, we have Vanderbilt, Mississippi State, and Louisville. In the other side of the bracket, we have Michigan, Texas Tech, and Florida State. Right now, Michigan and Vanderbilt are 2-0. and Texas Tech is playing Florida State right now as we speak. The winner of that will play Michigan, and we'll have to beat them twice to move on to the College World Series Championship. And then tomorrow, Mississippi State will play Louisville, and the winner of that will also move on. Well, the winner of that will play Vanderbilt to see who goes to the championship, so... Seamus, what do you think? Who's going to the uh, championship? Um, starts Monday night. Weather mending. Um, I'm loyal to the to Vanderbilt and the Vandy boys. We'll never bet against them. Uh, so obviously in that side of the bracket, I got Vandy. I think they're gonna. Yeah, I don't think they'll have any problem with the winner of Louisville or Mississippi State. Got Vandy making the championship in the other half. Uh. The only school out of Michigan, FSU, and Texas Tech that I don't really – that I don't dislike is Texas Tech. So, I'm going to have to go with Texas Tech there. I, I can't root for Michigan in anything. I can't can't bet on them. And then FSU, Jameis Winston was on their baseball team. This has nothing to do with the current College World Series, but Jameis Winston was my least favorite college athlete ever, so not betting on FSU. I got Vandy versus Texas Tech in the final. Vandy takes it home. Uh yeah, how about uh, you? Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm definitely going. I'll go the same. Michigan. No, I'm not going the same. I'll go Vanderbilt. I don't. I don't think they're gonna lose two games in a row at this stage. They also have a nasty pitcher, Kumar Rocker. They're against Duke in the Super Regionals, and he just beat Mississippi State today. So I don't think Vanderbilt's gonna lose two games in a row. I think Mississippi State will beat Louisville. Um, and then last year, Mississippi State also beat Vanderbilt in the Super Regional. So I think Vanderbilt's out for a little, revenge, a little bit of revenge right there. And then Michigan, I'm picking Michigan to go to the College World Series Championship. Their starting pitching is it's insane. They beat UCLA three times this year, including two in the Super Regionals. Um, they're pitching, yeah, starting pitching is carrying their team. I think they won, they won 5-3 against Texas Tech, and they won 2-0 against Florida State. So I think Michigan, complete team. And Tommy Henry, starting pitcher, is going to lead them. I don't know who's going to win yet. I'll make my prediction later on. But and Michigan's a lock to get to the championship game. I think you're sleeping on Texas Tech. I don't know. I saw Go Texas Vandy, Tech though. play. I saw Texas Tech play against Oklahoma State. 
Uh, they have no bullpen, but somehow they beat Oklahoma State. So I think Michigan already beat them. I don't think Texas, anyone's going to beat Michigan twice. Texas Tech got heart. Texas Tech, right, and please. they they lost in the basketball, uh, the NCAA championship in basketball. So it's a year of championship losses for the uh, Red Raiders or whatever they're called. So uh, yeah, I got, but I got Vandy. Go Vandy, boys. Roll Vandy. Can't can't go wrong with the SEC school winning it all at the end. Can't go wrong with that. Uh, yeah. Moving on, want to talk a little NHL awards? Sure. Those are happening tonight uh, as we speak. Uh, most of the, not most, uh, a couple of the words were. Um, pretty predictable. Um, Pedersen winning the Rookie of the Year, Kucherov winning Ty Lindsay and uh, Hart Trophy. But a um, couple, I want to talk about a couple of them in particular. Don Sweeney, Bruins GM, wins GM of the Year. Um, this award, most people are saying he won this award because of the trades for Coyle and Johansson, which were undeniably great midseason trades for the Bruins, obviously. Didn't win the cup, but um, we're one game away. And Coyle and Johansson were two, maybe the two best forwards all playoffs, most consistent, I'd say, until the, that line kind of fell off in the cup final. But they're, they were, they pretty much carried us through a couple of the rounds there. Um, yeah, how do you feel about that, Sweeney winning game of the year? Who, who else would really, really get it? I mean, Tampa Bay, they're kind of choked. Columbus uh, went all in. Columbus went all in and then lost in the second round. Doug, Doug Armstrong of the Blues and he didn't Don really do Waddle. It. Did, he, did Doug Armstrong even really even do anything? His team just kind of turned it around. Uh, traded for O'Reilly or signed O'Reilly. Um, I mean, yeah, his team did called up Bennington, I guess. And uh, Carolina Hurricanes GM, which actually Hurricanes GM was he has they had the lowest payroll in the entire league and. They made it to the Eastern Conference Finals. So that's pretty – I mean, that was pretty impressive of him to assemble a team of, I mean, a lot of relative no-name guys on that team that uh, played a big role in their run. But, um, yeah. I mean, the Bruins didn't have a second-line right wing. If the Bruins traded for, like, Mark Stone and traded went all in and won the Cup, I could see him getting – and deserving yeah. GM in the air. But I think he's kind of he's kind of winning it by – Default almost. Yeah, I kind of. I mean, I can't really argue with that. I mean, he's not like Masai Ujiri. Ujiri won that championship for the Raptors. I don't think Sweeney made that big of an impact on the Bruins this year. Yeah, I know what you're saying. I, I mean, and the the other thing about the two trades he made, um, they were pretty much he only he had to make a trade for a set third line center and a third line winger because he didn't address those two. Massive holes in the Bruins lineup over the offseason. So, I mean, yeah, I guess it goes both ways, but Sweeney wins it. Um, next award I want to talk about is the Mark Giordano, or uh, yeah, Mark Giordano wins his first career Norris trophy at age 35. And um, I'm really glad this happened because Giordano, unlike the other finalists, actually plays great defense. And the Norris trophy, especially in recent years, has been shifting towards just whatever defenseman in the league has the most points gets it. And, like, like guys like Carlson who don't play any defense, we talked about the last podcast, and Burns was – it was it was going to be, like, either Giordano or Burns this year. Burns obviously puts up ridiculous offensive numbers, and he's he can play defense when he wants to, but Burns isn't a great defensive defenseman, especially this year, whereas Giordano is pretty lock-up on D. 
Giordano kills penalties. Byrne doesn't really play on the penalty kill too often. And then Hedman was the other finalist, and I don't think Hedman deserved it this year. He wasn't – I mean, he his team was the best in the league, but this right in the regular season. But Hedman wasn't exactly shut down this year. He was also hurt, I think, for a little bit of the year too. Uh, yeah, what do you think about Giordano getting his first Norris at age 35? Yeah, I think he deserved it. You make a good point about the Norris going to a defenseman who actually plays defense. It would have been nice to see the Flames make a little deeper run into the playoffs, but it's not Giordano's fault that Johnny Goudreau can't hit an open net from five feet away in the playoffs. So Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the Flames, awards... The Flames are pretty a, quiet in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, it's a regular season award. They vote on, the, they vote on it before the playoffs happen, so the playoffs didn't really have any influence on it. I mean, he had, uh, the, he had the best plus-minus in the league. He's plus 39, 74 points, um, 24 minutes of ice time per game. He had he had four shorthanded goals this year as a defenseman, which I think is pretty impressive too. Um, and he's even or plus rated uh, player in 58 of the 78 games they played this season. So I think that's pretty impressive. And he's the first he's the yeah. first Flames player to ever win uh, Norris. And actually. Uh, breaking news, Barry Trotz just won the Jack Adams Award as Coach of the Year. Um, and I think that's well-deserved. The Islanders uh, lost their franchise superstar, best player they've had since Bossy, um, and Tavares this year to the Islanders, or the, I mean the Maple Leafs. Uh, a lot of people wrote the Islanders off, said they were done. Trotz comes over from Washington, coming off a Stanley Cup win. Um, and I mean, this team, they had a pretty incredible regular season considering the overall, I want to say lack of talent, but lack of like players that anyone really, like, there's not many players on the team that anyone knew who they really were. A lot of guys that people had written off, kind of a group of misfits on that team this year, led by Matt Barzal. Um, and they played, they were the best defensive team in the league, which could lead to a Robin Lane or Vesna win later on tonight, but. Yeah, Barry Trotz, well-deserved Jack Adams win. Yeah, again, you go to the playoffs, and they kind of got robbed that they had to move out of the Nassau Coliseum into the Barclays Center. And then also in the playoffs, they were they mounted up a bunch of injuries at the wrong time. So if not for that, you could have seen the Islanders in the Eastern Conference Finals against the Bruins. But yeah, Barry Trotz, great coach, Stanley Cup champion. And he, he makes the most of what he's got. And I think that's the sign of a great coach. You know, you're not just winning Stanley Cups with star players. You're, you're going to the team that doesn't have the star players and you're making them contenders. I think that's a big part of being a coach. Yeah, and also, I, you got to respect uh, how he, he won the Cup in, in Washington and rather than just staying there. And, um, I mean, eventually things – I mean, if he stayed there, that team stacked. But he could have gone back, maybe been a favorite for a Cup again. But – Tried to take on a new challenge, already won a cup in Washington, go to a team that is barren talent-wise, um, a franchise that never really wins in, like, over two or three decades, and um, take on a new challenge and start winning. That's pretty impressive. Got to respect that. Yeah, the Islanders had 80 points last year. They lost their best player, and now this year with Barry Trotz, 103 points in the regular season, and they swept the Penguins in the first round of the playoffs. I think that's a... Yeah, pretty I good mean, improvement. Yeah, gotta respect it. Barry Trotz, great head coach, and I think the Islanders, um, as long as they got him at the helm, they could be. They're only going to get better. So 
they're they're going to be a pretty scary team in the East, I think, in a couple of years, especially as Barzal keeps getting better and better. Could yeah. you make the argument that if Barry Trotz was the coach of the Lightning, they would have won it all? Definitely, definitely. Barry, Cooper, Cooper, had, couldn't, that guy, I've never seen a coach face adversity that poorly. I, as soon as they lost two playoff games in the first round to Columbus, he was he was rattled in the post-game interviews. He didn't know what to say. It was, I don't know, that guy, terrible time for them to sign it to extension. Definitely should have waited till after the playoffs, but yeah, it is what it is. Tampa needs a new coach, in my opinion. And also Toronto. I, I mean, Toronto. I th- Babcock's I think, not going anywhere. Well, yeah, but that obviously he's not going anywhere, but Trotz is a much better coach than Babcock, in my opinion. Babcock, I don't think the players the players don't play for Babcock. You know what I'm saying? Nobody. Yeah. Babcock's, Babcock's old school and a lot of old school. Like, Trotz isn't exactly a new school coach, um, but. I don't know. There's a lot of rumors every summer that Matthews and Marner and all the young guys don't really like Babcock and there's tension in there. And clearly it's not working because they lose in the first round of the Bruins every year. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and then, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, the awards show is still going on, so not much more to update on that. Uh, Pedersen beating out Bennington for the Calder for the Rookie of the Year. Not that surprising. Uh only because Bennington didn't really play enough games, but he didn't really he didn't get his first start till the beginning of January. Um, and Pedersen was so ridiculously good as a rookie for the Canucks. Um, but yeah, that's that's about it for the NHL NHL awards. Uh, moving on, bias bonus. Yeah, let's get some bias bonus going. Alrighty, so we got a lot of uh, soccer. Golf, baseball, and this week's edition of Bias Bonus. So, we'll start off with this one. Copa America, bigger margin of victory. Uruguay win against Japan or Chile win against Ecuador. If it's a tie margin of victory, the advantage will go to Chile. Um, I'm going to go to – I'm going to go with – I like. I think Japan's going to put up a fight. So, I like uh, I like the bigger margin of victory uh, for Chile. For Chile? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go Uruguay. Um, I like I like the way they attack with their strikers, Suarez and Cavani. I'll go with them. Uh, Copa America will lean on Messi score the goal against Qatar on Sunday. Uh, I'm gonna go no. Messi's a choker. I said that last <laughs> time he scored, but I'm gonna go no. But no, Messi doesn't play as well with Argentina, and their Argentina's a mess. Lost to Colombia first game, losing right now as we speak to Paraguay in the second half. So they're a mess. Uh, last Copa America over under one point five goals for Brazil versus Peru. Um, I'll go. I'll go over. I think Brazil's gonna. Brazil puts them in the back of the net. I'm I'm gonna go under. They just finished a zero zero draw against Venezuela. Didn't look too promising. Peru only one win in their last eighteen against Brazil, which came in the 2016 Copa America. So Brazil the favorites, but I think I think a low scoring game. All right, Women's World Cup USA versus Sweden uh, on Thursday. Will the first goal come in the 30th minute or earlier? Uh, yes. USA is going to score, and they're going to score early and often. Best I'm going to go no. I'm going to go no. I'm going to go with a nil-nil draw. Uh, Women's World Cup, Thailand versus Chile. First goal. If there's no goal, then Thailand will get the win for this. Um, I'll go with Chile again. 
Yeah, I'm going. I'm going Chile as well. They've yet to score in this World Cup. Two nothing loss against Sweden. Three nothing loss against the USA. Uh, Thailand scored against Sweden, so I think Chile is going to be due for the first goal. You know, Chile's Chile's scoring the first goal. All right, Women's World Cup. Who will finish first in Group E? Netherlands or Canada? Right now they're tied at six points after two games, and they play each other on Thursday. Um, I'll go Netherlands. I've beef with Team Canada right now. Uh, I like Team Canada. I think. Yeah, Team Canada could win the World Cup. I'm I'm all, all aboard Canada. They're going to take it home after the Raptors championship and just keep the Canada championship parade going. Uh, Travelers championship in the golf this weekend. Uh, lower first round score, Mark Leishman or Paul Casey? Um, I like I like Mark Leishman in this. Yeah, I'm going to go I'm going to go Paul Casey. The last four Travelers championships, he has three top 5 finishes, so he feels comfortable at in the course at Connecticut. Uh, last Travelers Championship over under 7.5 Americans finishing the top 10, including ties. Um, I'll take, I'll take the under. I like, I think a couple guys from, uh, a couple guys from Canada might, uh, have some good rounds here. Uh, I'll go, I'll go with the over. It's, there's, 10 that finished in 2015, 7 in 2016, 9 in 2017, 9 in 2018. 107 Americans in the field, which is 68%. So I think I think the Americans will play well this weekend. All right, last two MLB. Astros at the Yankees, four-game series. Will they split the series starting Thursday? Um, No. Yankees, Yankees are nasty. I'll take a – I think – I don't know. I'm saying no. I think the Yankees are going to win this series. I'm gonna, I'll, go, I'll go with the split. Um, Houston won all three at home this year against the Yankees, so we'll see what happens in this series. And then last one, MLB on Sunday, Mets at the Cubs. Mets starting Jacob Degrom, who's three and six, three point three ERA against the Cubs. Cole Hamels six and two, two point nine eight ERA. Who do you like in this game on Sunday? I'm taking the Cubs. The Mets are trash. I, uh, I'm, a, I'm a big Mets guy. I said I, last week that they shouldn't be in New York, but they should be in New York. And Degrom's nasty. I, I, I need the I need the Mets to win. I, like the I don't Mets. Know, I don't know how you can pick the net the Mets in anything. Uh yeah no Mets are awful. Cubs easy no question. All right, uh, that wraps it up for today's special edition draft preview episode of Biased Opinion. Uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter at biased underscore underscore opinion. Uh, we'll post every time we have a new update a uh, new episode. And, um, yeah, thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with more.